Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You may be seated. Man, I better get some get some stuff rolling here. You ever walk up to the pulpit and it's got your notes from the last time and it's like, well, that won't work. Come on. That's not going to work. Hey, would you turn in your Bibles tonight to Luke chapter 6 and we're going to take a couple of Wednesday nights. We're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about going deeper and building our lives as a church on the rock of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, how many of you know that uh, Luke's version of Jesus's parable of building upon the rock is a little bit different than Matthew's? Did you know that? Did you know that in, in Did you know that in the Gospels there's a different point of view, and so it's not just a repeat. Okay, there's a different point of view in each of the Gospels. And sometimes if you kind of compare some of the parables especially, you'll get a little bit more to the story, right? So the idea of building on a sound foundation and a solid foundation in the book of Matthew chapter 7, you don't have to go there, I just want to kind of bring this out, um, does not mention something that the book of Luke mentions. Now, it, does, does that trip you up? Does that bother you at all? If, if, you had, if you had an experience with God, and I had an experience with God, would it be the same? Same God, same God, but your experience might have details that I don't have. This, this is why we, we come together, and, and I, I don't think we, we really get and truly understand what fellowship is in our culture. We think, you know, well, that's just hanging out. But more of what fellowship is is, our lives being built together, fitted together as a house of God. Not this building, but, but, but us together as a house of God. And it's because you have a revelation of God that I don't have. And, and it's very important that I, that I know some of the things that you've experienced and you know some of the things that I've experienced because you're not going to get everything from God from just what you're getting in your relationship with God. Are, are you tracking with me? That's why God... That's why God it's so important to him that we come together in unity and in faith and we're built together that he's only going to reveal certain things to certain people. And, and that's just how he works, man. And you're like, you know, why, why, is it, why does it work that way? Why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? It just is. It's the way. So in Luke's gospel, you're going to see a phrase here, um, dug deep. He dug deep. In Matthew's gospel, you're not going to see that phrase. And that doesn't mean there's any disagreement. It just means that you're going to get a little bit more. And that is the operative phrase that I'm going to use tonight. Because many times we hear this, this parable and we go right back to that Sunday school song we sang. Right? The, the wise man built his house upon the rock. Right? And the rains came and tumbling down. Come on with me. The rains came down and the... The rains came down and the... And the... And the floods came up, and the house on the rock stood still. Cool. Phil, firm, still. Yeah, wherever you're from, Ohio version, Indiana version, you know, <laughs> Illinois version. Yeah, yeah. So when you, when you sing that song and you think about it, most of this has been preached from the book of Matthew, and you don't hear that phrase that he dug deep. So, so 
without really understanding the geology of what's going on in, uh, in Israel, they have all kinds of rocks that protrude from the surface, but the rocks that protrude from the surface in Israel are not, you don't build on them. They're either, they, they're either mountainous or they protrude in such a way that they're just uh, weird shaped and, and there's no true shape to them. But there are rocks in Israel, especially near the River Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea that are more flat, but you have to dig, come on, you got to dig down deep to get to them, okay? All right, and then you're able to build. All right, so Luke chapter 6, verse 46. How many of you remember who Luke is? Yeah, and he's his historian as well. So when you get to the book of Acts, he wrote Acts as well. It is historically accurate. Luke made sure that things lined up in a certain way. So he's a detail guy, which I love detail guys. I'm not one of those, right? <laughs> My wife's a detailed person. We go to paint something, and I don't. I, I think we're done with painting, and she comes back and it's like, now we're done. You know, she gets all the little tiny corners and the, the crevices, and yeah, I don't do all that. You know, I get a big splotch, and I think we're done. Yeah, Luke six forty six. It says, "But why do you call me Lord, Lord?" Okay. Notice he's. You know, you're saying it twice. You're saying it twice. Hey, you're Lord, Lord, and do watch this and not do the things which i say whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them i will show you whom he is like he is like a man building a house who dug deep are you getting that dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock and when the flood arose the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it for it was founded on the rock but he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built his house on the earth or the sand without a foundation against which the streams beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of the house was great father help us tonight to understand that relationship with you is a whole lot deeper than sometimes we make it Help us to understand that, God, relationship that you've called in the body of Christ is deeper than we make it. There's more than meets the eye to walking with you and walking with one another. And so often, God, we're shallow. So often, God, we are shallow. We stay on the surface, Lord, not understanding that you've called us to go deep with you and one another. We give you the praise. We give you the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it was maybe uh, five or six years old, first time I seen a drum set. Um, and before you, before you start to think that I'm about to brag, um, I'm a mediocre at best drummer. I watch guys on YouTube and they, and gals too. I've seen some gals that are like seven and eight years old. In fact, I showed one to Sarah the other day, this little uh, South Korean girl, little South Korean little child. I mean, and she's just tearing the drums up. And I'm just like, she's 20 times as good as me. I wish I, wish I could play like her. But I never learned my paradiddles. I never learned my flams. I never, and you, you're like, what is a paradiddle, a flam? It's okay. Don't, don't worry about it. I don't know how to do it, okay? But I would love to. But when I was about five or six, I wanted to play drums because I seen him. I seen him one day. My dad had a friend who had a drum set at his house. We came over to the house and, you know, they're hanging out doing their thing. And I seen that drum set. And first time I seen it with my eyes, I thought, oh yeah, I can do that. I can do that, yeah. I'm gonna do that, but I can do it now, you know, right? And so I asked my dad every year when tax returns came in, you know, came through, and 
uh, Dad, Dad, you're going to get me a drum set this year. And back then, you know, even a Ludwig set, even an a everyday Ludwig set would still be about seven, eight hundred bucks, you know, with cymbals and everything. One year, my dad bought me a kit, right? And I thought, this is no problem. I got this because I got rhythm. I know I got rhythm. I didn't know if I had rhythm. I didn't have a clue, okay? I, I, I really didn't. And, and so I sat down and I started playing. And about three or four months later, I was in a band. And I thought, I, I, this, is, this, is, this is no sweat. I'm a natural, you know? And we played in that band for years. And maybe four or five people would show up, you know? And then I met uh, Sarah's brother. Now, Sarah's brother... Bobby O'Banion had the band in the area. They were the cool band in the, and they were good. They were good. And they were all about five years older than me. And I learned all their songs in the garage one summer, right? And I thought, yeah, now, now I know how to play. I didn't know how to play. I didn't really know how to play. And one day their drummer quit. And since I was kind of dating Sarah and stuff like that, guess what, you know? Guess what? I had, the, I had the opportunity of a lifetime to hang out with these guys. And they already had real gigs. I mean real gigs that actually paid, you know, real money, enough to at least get pizza afterwards. I mean, you know, so I was, I was on top of the world that I was playing with these guys. And I thought, this has just got to be a big answer to prayer. And then I actually later learned, I went and got some lessons, and I learned from some drummers who really knew how to play. And then I thought, I don't know a thing. Have you ever just gotten into something and thought, I'm pretty good at this? And then you got around people that were really good at it, and you're like, I don't know anything about this. You know, I mean, that's, that was me, okay? And if I look back on my life, there's a lot of things that I, on the surface, it was more than that really met the eye. Uh, uh, getting married was that way. I thought, I could, I could be a husband, no problem, right? <laughs> Stupid. And then, uh, then, it's, uh, then driving, driving, I thought driving was a no-brainer, right? After I wrecked two of my parents' vehicles, one when I was seven, you know that story, and then later, um, later I wrecked another one of my parents' vehicles. I'm like, I'm, I'm a good driver. My dad's a, my dad's a truck driver. It, it's in my DNA, and I'm wrecking cars. Uh, thinking about my first house, when I bought my first house, I know how to own a home. That's no problem, right? It's just like renting. No, it's not. Now all the problems are your problems. I, I, it was all surface, man. I never dug deep into any of that stuff. I tried to own my own business for a while. I had a couple of them. And I asked, that's no problem. You know, I know how to do that. No, no, no issue at all. And then I realized I wasn't charging enough. I wasn't, I wasn't uh, putting back enough money for chemicals. And I wasn't putting back enough money for machinery. And I wasn't paying people right. And then I had to learn accounting. And then I had to learn books. And then I had to, and I thought, this is crazy. I don't want to be in business. I don't want to have anything to do with that. And then I thought, well, then I'll pastor, right? I know, oh, that's a no-brainer. All those guys do is just stand up in front of everybody and talk. I can do that. Everybody can talk, right? And oh, wow, you know, I quit probably a thousand times in the first 10 years because I kept thinking it was the surface, right? But once you get below the surface, you start to realize there's a whole lot more to what's going on than, than meets the eye, than at surface level. And I think of that story of the Titanic. You, you know a little bit about it, but only one-tenth of the iceberg that brought down the unsinkable ship was exposed on the surface. The other nine-tenths, what actually sunk the unsinkable ship was below the surface. And it was the other nine-tenths that they couldn't see that brought the whole ship down. And I'm telling you, spiritually, it's the nine-tenths you don't see. It's the nine-tenths you don't see in your walk with God. And it's the nine-tenths you don't see in your walk with the body of Christ that will cause you to be shipwrecked in your faith. It's not the surface stuff. 
Everybody lives up here, man. Everybody's trying to follow God in a shallow, in a surface following of God. But if you're not going deep with God, let me tell you, there, there is a time now and a time coming where if your roots aren't deep enough with God, you're going to be blown away. Yet listen to what I'm telling you. I, I, this ain't, this ain't a, a pastor trying to scare you into anything. It's not an apocalyptic scare. It just is what it is. You better go deep with God if you want to survive what's happening in this world today. And as I kind of think about that a little bit, I, 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 I want to check the context on, on our, our text here today. And, and, and context, how many of you know context is king? Right? The context of what Jesus is talking about as he goes to the Sermon of the Mount, as he just comes away with talking about people who don't do as well, but say that they know him. And it's right after talking about religious people who ironically are supposed to be deep, but they are shallow. And you know, many times the people we think are deep with God are just deep in mouth. And Jesus is saying, there's a lot of people with mouth, but there's very few people indeed that are really close to me, that are really not just saying they know me, but they're obeying me. And he says that's the difference is really the wise man and the foolish man. One of them dug deep. The other one just said, I'll build anywhere. This is going to be no problem. I know how to build a house. They both knew how to build a house. Can you, can you get that in your spirits tonight? They both knew how to build a house. That's not the question. The question is, is what they built it on, and not just what they built it on, but who they built it on and where that who was. That who was under a lot of dirt that had to be removed. And that's the part that people don't want to, they don't want to really conceptualize that in their life. They, they take the blue light special on the gospel, and they think following Jesus is just as easy as setting things up. But if, but if you're not willing to start digging, how many of you ever dug anything in your life? I have for about five minutes, and I'm like, I'm done digging. Let's get a backhoe. Let's get somebody that's got something to dig with. It, digging is terrible. I don't mind building something, but digging something, oh, that's for the birds, man. This guy dug, and he had to remove a lot of things that were in the way. Watch this. He could have built his house over the rock, but not on. And there's, there's a whole entire generation that is not hearing the gospel of building their life on the rock they're just building their life over the rock and they're thinking it's okay to build up here where all the dirt and the sand is and god's saying you got to be willing to allow me to remove a lot of dirt from your life before you really come into contact with what the scripture promises here what does the scripture promise storms are coming the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But it also promises that if your house is built on the firm foundation, the rock, the storm isn't going to blow your house away. I think a lot of people are building over the rock, but not on it. And this guy dug down deep. And the context here is, here's all these spiritual people with mouths, but there's only a few that really know me. It was the depth of their foundation. It was, it was about removing things so that you could be close to God. Not as close to the world as you possibly can and not go to hell. Hello. Oh, a pastor said hell. That is a remarkable thing in a church in America today. How about that? 
So Matthew's version doesn't have that phrase, who dug down deep. Luke's does. Those two verses are not in conflict with each other. You can bring them both together and get a complete story. And that helps us with understanding how your relationship with God connects with the promises of God. But if you're not connected with the body of God, you don't get those promises. If there's one thing I want to leave you with tonight, knock this off in your heart and in your head. Stop reading the promises of God as an individual. The promises of God are corporate. Every New Testament letter was written to a whole... Hello? Every one of these promises contained then in those letters is written to a whole church. It's not just for you. It's for the whole body of Christ. So you want to connect with the benefits of God and connecting with God, but you don't want to be fitted together with others. When I was a kid, I, uh, I loved Lincoln Logs. In fact, I, you go out and buy a regular, a, a decent set of Lincoln Logs today, it's going to set you back $150. And that's just for the small set, right? And I, I say still, my first grandchild, I'm buying it. If it's 200 bucks, I'm buying it. And I'll tell you why. Because I can go out and buy an Xbox, or I can go over here and buy these links. Come on. And this will cost me the same thing. But this might teach them something. Come on. And this over here is just going to waste their life. Now, now, Lincoln Logs taught me something when I was a kid. You, could, you, you got a little, inside the little can or whatever, you'd open it up, and there'd be a piece of paper. That was gone in a day, right? And then there was a picture on the, on the side, and... And you know, sometimes you follow the picture, but you know what it taught me? That there are all kinds of pieces in there that I could fit together. There's small ones, there's longer ones, right? There's some that have different kinds of cuts in them. But the interesting thing is, didn't matter if it was a small piece, a medium piece, or a long piece, they all had a spot in each of the logs where it was, there was something removed so that it could be fitted to something else. And there's too many people trying to serve God today where they don't want anything removed from their life. I'll serve you, God, as long as it's convenient for me. But if I got to be fitted to any other log, if I got to be joined to any other piece, listen, Lord, I'm sorry, but that piece is too small. I want to, Lord, I want a piece that's just like me. Well, that works for a little while until you want a chimney. I guess you don't want a house that has heat, do you? Okay, Doc. Do you want it on fire, church? Or do you want a church that's cold? So you're going to fit together with pieces that are different than you. And those cuts in there are pieces that are removed for the simple purpose of being fitted together with someone else. Can I just ask you right now, and this is going to burn a little, but it's okay. It's antiseptic. All right? Can I just ask you, who besides pastors has been invited to your home? Who, who, who have you invited to your home? Who have you fitted yourself together relationally for lunch? Who do you spend time with? I mean, it just, it absolutely, I'm not going to mention any names, but it absolutely just blessed me. You want to make me, you want to make me totally smile? I'll tell you what makes me totally smile. Stop me in the hallway and you brag all you want about this. Everything else, I don't care. But this I'll just get excited about. You tell me you've invited somebody else out with you to go do something, and I'm going to cheese, man. I'm just going to cheese. You want to know why I'm going to cheese? 
because you're going to get the promises of God because you're fitted together with someone else and the two of you coming together are going to be built on the rock together. And that's exciting to me. And that's not sitting there listening to me preach and moan on and on and get all sweaty and then shake. <laughs> can, it, can you do this? Can you do, I'm going to bless you here. Here's a rule of thumb for this church, okay? Let me be the first person that you shake hands with as you come in, that means come early. Let me be the last person you shake hands with on the way out. If I'm the first person you shake hands with on the, on the way out, you don't get me. I mean, get me. Not get me. You got me. I'm here, okay? But get me. Or God. I ought to be the last person you're interested in saying goodbye to. Because you've got so many people you're connecting with. And loving on and ministering to. Matt's all free, I mean. <laughs> he dug down deep, right? He didn't just dig down deep for himself. He built a house, man. It didn't say he put a cot down there. He was thinking of people. He was thinking of family. He was thinking of, think about this. He was digging down deep because he knew storms would come. He knew that the house had to be built in such a way that it would protect a lot of people more than just himself. Digging's a lot of work. You got to go past the surface. You got to get dirty. You got to get deep. You got to dig. And then it takes a lot of time. And then so much has to be removed. But that means you're a wise guy. That means you're a wise man. Hello? He demonstrated compassion. Why? Because he was thinking about a dwelling that would protect other people and bless other people. To him, it was all about, to him, it was all about protecting for the future. Giving I think about these little kids. I think about these, this next two or three generations that are behind us, okay? This is, this is a vapor. All of you and me, well, some of you, I mean, some of you are still kind of young, but the rest of you, we're going out of here real quick. I'm sorry. I hate to break it to you, but they're going to come in here soon, and the only way they're going to know how any of this works is by looking at you and me, right? So we got to think about them. We got to think about... Do, do they understand Pentecost at all? Do they understand anything about being spirit-filled? Do they understand anything about serving God, even when it gets rough? Come on. So, I want to talk to you about how those linking logs go together on the solid rock. Ephesians 2.22 says something really, really good. It says, in him, talking about Jesus, it says, and in, in him, you too, now the you there is not, it's not singular, it's plural. You too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Now, I know each of you have been taught that God lives inside your heart. But I, I, I want you to see something here. His Spirit lives inside of a dwelling that is fit together like a house for Him. That's when all of us come together. The Spirit of God says, yes, I want to live in that. I want to live in that. So when the body of Christ comes together, all these corporate things happen that are a blessing. Let me, let, me, let me just start with the ordinance of the church. What are the ordinances of the church? Communion. Communion. Communion is not a COVID individual thing. This COVID culture that the whole church has now. You don't do communion in your easy chair at home. Come on. And then invite pastor over every once in a while because, you, you know, you're a little lonely. <laughs> you know, maybe I can entertain you a little bit. Sometimes I feel like the monkey in the organ grinder. But 
Here's the deal. God doesn't want you to be alone. Communion is actually coming. Communion means to come together. Commune. That's why we get the word community. Yeah. Say that with me. Community. Yeah. So communion is a corporate thing. Baptism, corporate thing. You get baptized, it needs to be with the whole church. The whole church needs to join in on that. You need to teach your kids this, you, you know. We don't come to your house and baptize you in your pool. You're, you're baptized into the family of God. You're, it, isn't about, it isn't your big day with you and God. It's you're baptized into something. Now, some churches actually do foot washings as well. That's a third ordinance of the church. Okay, Nazarene Church does that. It's not a bad thing. I'll wash your feet. I don't care if you wash mine. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, careful what you wish for, you know. But here's the deal. That, that's, a, that's a bringing together. It's a corporate thing. It's not an individual thing. Church is made up of, today, thousands of individuals all floating on their private islands, right? And uh, they're floating on that private island that only contains their personal problems and their little desires of what they're going through and having no idea of what the rest of the body of Christ is doing. We're all drifting in the same ocean, and we think that should be exciting. But in that ocean, we're not fit together like a ship that can survive a storm. Below the surface, people are emotionally living in isolation, and they're not really building their life on the rock because they're thinking and living like an individual. And the first thing God said after creation, it's not good for man to be alone. In the animal kingdom, if you're a lion and you want to eat something and it's lunch, you're looking for something alone. The devil says that the enemy is a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Who is he looking to devour? The goober that isn't with the pack. The one that's alone. Maybe you never watched Mutual of Omaha's wild kingdom but i sure did come on yeah. all right so sometimes we keep each other at arm's length but think about all these other all these all the promises of god that are ours when we come together how about jesus saying and lo i will be with you always even unto the ends of the earth so god's saying i'll ne i won't i won't forsake you i'll always be with you he said that to all his disciples he didn't say it to one guy he didn't say peter come here go into all the world preach the gospel right to all every nation baptizing him in the name of the father son and the holy spirit and lo i will be with you peter just you rest of the guys sorry right. he's he's saying all of you even unto the end of the age how, how about another one here give us this day our daily bread forgive us our debts as we or trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us all right so all of these things all of these things are ours as we come together and built together in Christ. Just a, just a couple more real quick. Um, and then I'm just going to, I'm going to give you a Christmas list for pastor. You ever, you ever have like an immature child that comes to you and says, here's what I went for Christmas, and it's a list. And it's like, get out of here, get a job. All right? All right, whatever. This is my job. Okay, I'll give you a Christmas list for Christmas for pastor. Okay, so let's talk about what it means to be united. 1 Corinthians 1.10. So Paul is saying to the church in Corinth, he says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind 
and in thought. Now, he's not talking about being a robot. He's not saying, you got to think just like me, and it's all groupthink, and every, we got to be a bunch of, you know, a bunch of sheeple, and we're all just going to go off a cliff together because one person does it, I can do it. You know, if everybody jumped off a, a bridge, you're going to jump. You know that whole, yeah. mama told you that. Come on, didn't she? Just because everybody's doing it, you got to do He's not talking about peer pressure. What he's talking about here is having the mind of Christ. And when that happens, we are willing to put our own agendas and our own preferences. This is a big deal. Because you can't get in a conversation with somebody, even over lunch. And listen, I'm a professional person at this, okay? This is what I do for a living. You want to know what I do for a living? I sit and listen to people for hours. And within 10 minutes, there's something I disagree with. I'm honest. Are you still with me? But you, see, you think I go, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And my mouth starts a yakking about things I don't agree. Right? Is it about Jesus? Is it about salvation? Is it about, hey, then we got, listen, you may teach me something. Maybe I never heard it before, but I'm a zip in my lip. I'm eating a bowl of shut it stew. Why? Because I need to be in unity in the body of Christ. And I don't need to die on every little stinking stupid hill. And so many churches get wrapped up in, oh, we're going to build ourselves, we're going to build ourselves on the rock of Christ, right? And then one person says something over me, oh, that's it, I can't be there anymore. And it's like, that's the most immature thing. Really? You do that in your marriage? Your marriage ain't going to work that way. I'm telling you, there's a lot of things that Sarah don't agree with, and thank God she don't agree with it. I'm still alive because of it. Hello, right? She, but, you know, we don't sit, we don't sit all night long in our, and we got two recliners. We don't sit there and say, hey, I don't agree with you. Well, I don't agree with you either. And then, you know, we go to bed, wake up the next day, hey, I don't like that either. And I don't like that either, you know? What kind of life would that be? And it would stink, Right? I've met some people that, do, that does that. Yeah. Will you honk and knock it off? Just knock it off. I hope somebody that comes on Sunday morning, because this is the choir. Hey, you, want, you, don't go, you don't come on Wednesday night. You come on Sunday morning. I'm talking to you. Okay? <laughs> uh, we don't let shallowness divide us in relationships, man. Okay? And then we carry each other's burdens. You know, Galatians tells us to do that. We, we're supposed to do that to fulfill the law of Christ. We do have a law, but it's the law of Christ. It's not the Old Testament law. It's not the Old Covenant. Well, we got the law of Christ. And that means if you've if you got a burden, I need to be there to help. And then finally, to be accountable. You know, you go deep when you're accountable. Because there might have been some dirt that blew back in. Right? And then, and, you know, James talks about that, confessing your sins before one another. He didn't say, go find a priest somewhere with a booth. Now listen. He didn't go, you know, find a booth somewhere, and then this priest is going to absolve you of all your sins. He's going to tell you some, you know, go throw five Hail Marys out in the backyard, you know, and, and everything's going to go away. He, he didn't tell you that. That's not what James said to do. He said, confess your sins before one another. So, so what am I doing? It's not so I can be, listen, it's not so that you can do something to forget and get me forgiveness. It's so I can be accountable to you. And for, for you to pray for me and to show love to me and for me to trust you and to love you and for you to keep your mouth shut about what I told you and for me that if it happens again I come back and I tell you and we pray again and we work through it okay 
Now my Christmas list. You ain't getting out of here yet. Some of y'all ready? I got a few. I got a couple minutes. I'm gonna give you my Christmas list here. Okay. All right. Here's my Christmas list. Number one, what I want in this church for Christmas. All right. In your relationships, in your Lincoln uh, Lincoln logs being joined together. Number one. Here it is. Okay. Uh, to build each other up rightly in the Lord, I want you to have this kind of conversation. Are you hearing me? Here it is. Facts or truth. Facts or say it with me. Facts or truth. Okay. So we're going to say facts. Then faith. Then feelings. You want to talk about a train wreck. Every Christian today that thinks they're a Christian. They probably are. Who thinks they've built on the rock. The whole conversation is about feelings first. It's about feelings first. Not about facts. What does God's word say? Not about faith. What, what are we going to believe that God has said? And then you share how you feel. Feelings is a caboose. God's word or the facts, the truth, is a locomotive. And we have too many conversations where we think we're having fellowship and all we're doing is whining. Now, I've preached this before and I've had people come up to me immediately after I'm done preaching it and come up and whine. Now, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, telling, I'm telling you the truth, man. I ain't lying to you. I'm not playing around. I'm gonna put some cheese up here, wrapped up. And the next time I preach this kind of, because I'm gonna preach it again. I'm gonna have cheese up here. You bring that wine up. I'm gonna give you some wine to go with your cheese. Or cheese to go with your wine. Right? I ain't going to give you any wine. <laughs> Forget about that. Scratch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget about that. <laughs> but don't forget about putting facts first, okay? Then faith and feelings. All right? That's on my Christmas list. You have these conversations. Say, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hey, I love you. I want to hear that. But let's get in. What's God's word say? What's God's word say? Come on. What are we going to believe? What are we going to believe God for? Don't mock God in that situation. Put him off to the side and let the idol of the moment be that person's emotions. Don't bow in front of some circumstance that you think trumps the spirit of Christ. Believe God's word. Oh, there's giants in the land. Well, you're going to wander for 40 years. You got to get on board with what God said. Did he say go in? Let's go. Let's go, okay? So that's the first one. Next one, life of trust. We need to live a life of trust. Teach people to live a, what is a life of trust? It's simply, you know, the, uh, the Lutherans long, long time ago uh, had this, this idea, uh, uh, sola fidelis, okay? Faith only, right? I'm going to say this, and, and at first it just won't make an impact, but I think it might in a second, okay? We are called by God to put our faith and trust in Him alone. That's it. No others. Nothing else. Nothing else. If you're putting your faith and trust on anything else, you've wasted your time digging down and trying to build your life on a rock. And you're wasting your time in the relationship because that person will try to build on you. They'll try to, they'll start thinking, hey, if I don't have a talk with that person this week, I'm going to, I'm going to, the wind and the waves, cool, this is crazy, man. I got to talk to that person. Where's my rock? Where? 
Where's my rock? Where's my anchor? Oh, I gotta, I gotta reach out to the person this week. You, you do need to spend time with that person this week, but you both need to connect yourself to a piece of the rock, and a piece of the rock ain't a person other than Jesus. That's right. it, it, it's Jesus, man. Faith and trust in God and God alone. And you're going to share some information when that happens, and I, I just pray to God that it would be um, pertinent information, not historical not trivial. I share a lot of trivial information when I'm preaching, and you just got to spit out the bones. Because I talk about stuff you don't care about, and I'm just, I need to get over it. But, but you need to hold on to the pertinent information. In that conversation, it needs to come back to trusting in Jesus, and not the fact that you both like a particular type of anything. It needs to come, I have very few Jesus conversations as a pastor. I would love to have more, wouldn't you? I have a lot of conversations about everything else. Who honking cares? It's all going to burn. The only thing that's going to last is Jesus, okay? And what he said in his word. Okay, next one is pass this along. You're fitted together. You, you want to fit together. Hey, you want to emulate a life of obedience. Oh, there's a word nobody really wants to, but obedience. Obedience. Let me, let me teach you what obedience is, real obedience. Real obedience says this, I love God more than sin. I love God more than I love sin. And so my love for God is going to be enough. How is it going to be enough? I trust, go back to that thing we just talked about, trusting God alone. I trust God to meet that need, even though I have a huge desire to do it. I'm going to trust God. God's going to fill that void in my life. God can do it. And he has an unquenchable he has an unquenchable supply. I'm going to trust God. That's how, that, that's how drugs were removed from my life. Come on, that's, what, that's how alcohol was removed from my life. And that's how all, so many other addictions were removed from my life. Because I fell in lo love with God more than I did sin. And then I trusted God to meet those needs. And I stopped thinking that those needs could fulfill me. And I just said, God, I want to do it. But listen, you're going to fulfill that need. And he did. Somebody taught me how to obey God. Obedience to God starts with a love for him. It's not a religious thing. It's just you fall in love with Jesus. It gets to the point to where, you know, I was, uh, today this happened. It gets to the point to where I, I was hanging out with somebody today, and I just, it, I realized how, how bad I've treated Jesus. And I start crying. We're in the middle of a nice restaurant today at lunch, and I just realized how bad I treated Jesus. And I just start crying. Because, because, and, and that's not a boasting that's just a that's just a i want to love him more and i'm with someone that was helping me understand what it meant to love him more and that's that's what i want and that that will that will bring obedience that will bring obedience okay and then finally uh a life of surrender and sacrifice what, what does that look like okay so so here's what you're going to give up because you're all really good you're all really good holy 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 christians okay here, what does it look like when you're really on the rock and you're really fitted together? And what does it look like when now I'm ready to sacrifice and I'm ready to surrender to the Lord? Here's what it looks like. Your inner dialogue, the, your self-talk, y'all with me, are now prayers. Not recycled, 
this is bothering me. This is, I got, I can't, oh, this is just a bummer. Oh, I can't believe what they said. I can't believe what I'm going through, whatever else. You meet with somebody and you really want to connect with them on the rock. Uh, okay, pass this along to, it's a Christmas list, pass it along to. Would you please get over yourself? Would you start taking that voice that's inside your head that's a scratch record and make it prayers? We are not praying enough. We're just talking about pain, but we're not praying enough. What are your prayers? Watch this. Here's a great prayer. God, no matter what happens, I trust you. I don't have an agenda, God. I've met a few people that have prayed that prayer and actually gotten healed because they stopped telling God how to do it. And they just said, God, I trust you. No matter what the end result is, I don't, I, it doesn't matter to me anymore. I know it's, I know it's covered. And then I've watched him get healed because God was like, yeah, you put the right thing first. Okay? So your prayer requests now become confessions of faith. They don't become, God, let me tell you one more time of how bad this hurts. Are you hearing me? Because, because I don't think so sometimes. I'm not playing. I, you know, I think sometimes we all think we... Do you know, you know what church becomes? It becomes boo-boo land. You ever put a crying baby in a room with other babies? They all start crying too. Come on, are you hearing me? Yeah. This, everybody's crying because one baby's upset. Now everybody's upset. Now, now, now listen, God, God has called you to maturity. And I'm, I'm asking you to help me help other people mature. And you, you, yes, you got to hear what they're going through. But at some point, you got to stay. Well, wait a minute. Are we going to believe God? Are we going to trust God? Do you believe that God has this conquered? Did he pay for this on the cross or not? Did he give you a spirit? Come on, man. Are we not more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, our Lord? Not just can we beat this, but we're more than beating this. You know? And then finally, this sacrifice, this surrender is, is being fitted together on the rock. Uh, you, you ask the will of the master each day. So, so what does that mean? That means that God is no longer your genie in a bottle. Rub-a-dub-dub. Thanks for the grub. God pops out. This is my three wishes. Now our prayer lives go this direction. Morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, God. What is it you would desire of me today, Lord? Master, I'm your servant. What am I supposed to do next? As you show it, I'll do it. In the name of Jesus. As you empower me to do it, I'll do it. I ain't going to all day long just come to you just because I get a stuffy nose. You might find that you'll get sick less, and you'll be in depression less, <laughs> and you'll be in funks less, you know, funk. And, and, and you might find that you, you might find yourself in more joyful and more peaceful and more full of love if you just ask God what to do next instead of at the end of doing what you did going to him and saying that didn't work out so you're doing now what he blessed instead of asking him to do what bless what you're doing okay would you pass that along please that's just a little you know that's just a little um can you do me a favor you do me a favor. You ever somebody, 
can you do me a favor? And you're almost like, uh, depends. Yeah. <laughs> what are we getting ourselves into here? Okay, right? But think about this. You could, you could see God change somebody's life. But you've got to be willing to let God connect you to them. You've got to invite them over and you've got to spend time with them. And you've got to pull the pacifier out of the mouth. Good luck. I mean, bless you. Bless you. Can we all stand? We'll go to the Lord in prayer. Bless you on that. I mean, someone would like to close tonight.